Always great having him on. Haven't had him on a while, uh, Dr. Ulm. Of course, uh, the great piece he writes uh, in the uh, Hill every week. Uh, Chairman of the Killing Group, Senior Advisor, Atlantic Council. Uh, of course, distinguished uh, columnist, as mentioned. And uh, also a best-selling author of the latest, The Fifth Horseman and the New Man, How Massive Attacks of Disruption became the looming existential danger of the divided nation and the world at large. The aforementioned uh, Dr. Ullman Harlan, welcome. Hope you had a good Thanksgiving, my friend. Same to you. I hope you and your listeners had a good Thanksgiving and will have a very Merry Christmas. Indeed. Indeed. And Harlan, great piece regarding wars, how they kind of never, never end. And uh, kind of apropos as far as you know, what we're looking at right now, not only uh, in Ukraine, uh, but what's happening in the Middle East and what has been happening since the 19th century over there. Uh, but all in all, you can kind of get a sense as far as if uh, a resolution will ever be in play here. Um, Jay, I don't want to start <laughs> post-holidays with, with a grim assessment, but on the current track, and this can change, What's happening in Gaza will be catastrophic for everybody. And the reason I say that, in the past, wars were won. We won the revolution by not losing. That's how the Vietnamese beat us. We won World War II by destroying the enemy and occupying their country. But Hamas has come up with a diabolical strategy that to defeat this strategy means you're going to have to destroy Gaza and Hamas. And so the suicidal approach of Hamas has goaded Israel into a situation where they have no alternative except to attempt to destroy Hamas. They cannot do that. They can make a big dent in it, but in the process they are going to eviscerate Gaza. You see what's happened in the northern part of Gaza. The Israelis have dropped more explosive equivalent than the two atom bombs that destroyed Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And even though there's a pause now, uh, Israel has promised it's going to restart the offensive. Now, one thing people do not understand about Hamas, it is extraordinarily well financed. It gets about a billion dollars a year, and at least half of that comes from investments that Hamas has, obviously, outside of Gaza. And so the situation has external international implications. I was in London 10 days ago. And there were huge, huge protests and a huge upsurge in anti-Semitism. And Prime Minister Sunak had to reshuffle his cabinet over whether to support the Palestinians or the Israelis. Here in the United States, Joe Biden, I believe, is doing as good a job as any president can against impossible circumstances. If he weighs too heavily towards Israel, he's going to lose the Palestinian vote in Michigan and possibly the election. And if he doesn't support Israel heavily enough, he's going to lose an awful lot of Jewish funding. This is the war from hell, and the outcome is the nightmare from hell, because what's going to happen when and if the Israelis finish their offensive? Who is going to take over? Israel doesn't want to do it. The Arab states have rejected the Palestinians. If there's an election, it's not inconceivable that Hamas could win. And so the only rational strategy is for Israel to take a more selective focused approach, but for political reasons and reasons of obviously revenge and the October 7th attack, it's not going to do that. So on the current course, 
I could not be more pessimistic about how this is going to end. It could be catastrophic, and frankly, we may not have any opportunity to make any kind of influence to change that outcome. Well, I kind of agree with you. Um, I hate to do that, but I kind of agree with you because, you know, you look at this conflict. I mean, it goes back to the end of the 19th century. All I mean, let's face it. Yes. You know, resolution in 181, the partition plan and everything else, you know, to divide the the British mandate of Palestine into Arab and Jewish states. I mean, you know, you look at the Six-Day War, you look at the Yom Kippur War, uh, yep. you know, you look at everything involved here. You know, the, the Suez crisis of 50, following that, I think it was 56, uh, and Israel's invasion of the uh, Sinai Peninsula. I mean, you know, Along with we've had a court sign left and right here. You wonder, you just wonder if a two-state solution uh, could ever kind of solve this whole thing. It's the only solution that has got to be imposed right now. Benjamin Netanyahu is irreparably opposed to it. And what Netanyahu wants to do, he wants to destroy Gaza and the Palestine. Make no mistake. The Israelis may be saying that they will take everything they can. He wants to destroy Hamas. Yeah, but to destroy Hamas, you destroy Gaza. And even in Vietnam, uh, we talked about uh, trying to minimize civilian casualties. But the definition of a, of a Viet Cong was a dead Vietnamese, irrespective of age or sex. And there's no such thing in immaculate, or immaculate warfare when you're fighting in cities. Tens of thousands of Gazans have been killed. And I suspect when the Israelis head south, they're going to order the Gazans to go north, and there's nothing left up north. It's been reported that over half half of all the homes in the northern part of Gaza have been destroyed. There's no electricity, there's no power, there's no water, there's very little fuel, no um, hospital facilities, and all this is going to be used, propaganda-wise, to make Israel into a pariah state. And so (laughs) Israel was given no choice. The choice they made on the current course is going to be disastrous. And I think six months, five months, two months from now, Israel will be a pariah state with very, very, very few allies. And international support will be entirely on the side of Palestine, simply because of the damage, destruction, and death. You know, one photograph of a dead Palestinian kid is worth God knows how much. And there's nothing the Israelis can do to reverse that bad public relations. They're just, they just have a horrible hand. Uh, that they can't play well, and I just do, I, I don't have a suggestion. This is the first time in my life that the only suggestion that I can make is one that's impossible. That's the two-state solution that we would have to impose, and if necessary, put American forces in Gaza to separate Gaza and the Israelis, and we're not going to do that. Uh, Tobin Dante Hall and Allman wrote, wrote, wrote a piece in the uh, Hill uh, today regarding uh, wars in general ongoing, and certainly this one is and will be, uh, you know, with no foreseeable end. You know, Holland, you know, when you think about it, you cut the head of the snake off, uh, and that is Iran. Uh, to me, they fund left and right Hezbollah and Hamas. Uh, it, listen, Hamas intertwines itself, we know, with civilians. Uh, we know where they are as far as uh, in the uh, hospitals. Uh, we know that they're in the schools. Uh, we know that they, uh, they, they have human shields. They, they take innocent people as such that the, the, way, the only way for Israel uh, to eradicate and live 
somewhat in peace is to get these animals uh, dead and buried and no more. You go after them, you knock out Hezbollah, and you knock out the head of the snake. Listen, that's the only way here, okay? We have a weakness that is – hold on a minute now. We have a weakness that's being shown in this White House, and that is why you have these various acts happening in in and around the world over the years, okay? I mean, undeniably, undeniably is how this White House has gone about its business. Let's let's talk about what's happening in Gaza. We know, we know from Afghanistan and Iraq, when you kill a so-called terrorist, that person has a brother, sister, father, mother, or friend, and you breed more. Hamas was a politically elected, politically elected body to run Gaza, and that was 15 years ago. So this notion that you can point out terrorists and kill them is nonsensical. It has not worked and will not work, tragically. Now about Iran, I don't believe Iran had any foreknowledge of the attack. Their view is they do not want to get into a war with the West and the United States. They're going to provoke us on the margin. Hezbollah is not going to attack Israel in a serious way. Yes, they're going to make themselves huge pains in the ass. I agree with that. But remember, uh, Gaza is maybe not autonomous, but it's independent, very much so. It's a Sunni organization. And as I said, the bulk of its funding, over half a billion dollars, comes from its investment. Iran probably provides maybe $100 million. More importantly, it's the arms. And so the only way through this potentially is with Saudi Arabia and Qatar trying to advance the Abraham Accords. But I think right now, it's going to be impossible for Saudi Arabia to do anything, simply because the Jews are killing Palestinians. And in the Arab world, regardless of who's right and who's wrong, you know who's going to be blamed for being wrong. Israel. This is why this is a horrible situation. And unfortunately, Hamas's strategy has been diabolically clever and brilliant. Whether they understood the consequences of how this would reach into America, Britain, and elsewhere in terms of the pro-Palestinian marches, I have no idea. But from our perspective, and irrespective of the White House, uh, Donald Trump, Abraham Lincoln, George Washington could be in the White House, and they couldn't do a better job than Joe Biden simply because uh, it's an impossible situation, unfortunately. And as you point out, a two-state solution, which is the obvious solution, uh, the chances of you and me flying to the sun and landing on the sun are greater right now than a two-state solution, unfortunately. Uh, I, I, listen, I've got several uh, several uh, questions regarding how Joe Biden has gone about this whole. And as you mentioned, if this is for political purposes, and it really is, I mean, it's, that's disgraceful. I'm sorry. Uh, it's absolutely disgraceful. Is he doing the job as far as what's happening in Ukraine besides just having an open checkbook? Is, is that okay as as well, uh, you know, I, I question a lot of the motives here, you know, in this political landscape right now. Uh, with two wars, two raging wars going on, and I can only think if we had strength, uh, strength in that Oval Office, uh, I just don't know if we would have different situations at this point in time. Uh, I really feel that way. I think uh, I think we have uh, certainly 
uh, exemplified not the greatest decisions over the years. You want to go back to Afghanistan and the withdrawal and our 13 service members that were killed. Just poor judgment. We can go on and on and on. You and I have argued that before, Holland, but I'm sorry. Right now, you get a sense with all that's going on on the, the planet here. The United States wants the pillar of strength uh, no more. And that is why we have gone awry as far as everything here. With which you will agree. Every time we operated from a position of strength since World War II, we lost. We went into Vietnam, a position of strength. We're going to stop them commies on the Mekong. We went into Iraq the second time in a position of strength to go after weapons of mass destruction that did not exist. Now, regardless of who is in the Oval Office, <clears throat> we have a profound problem. It's called Congress. The Democrats are hard able to get their act together.